Longhorn fans. Hello there, Longhorn fans. Welcome to your Texas Sports Unfiltered postgame show. Thank you, Salty Q, for the horns up. On the YouTube comments feed, I am Trey Elling. We'll be joined shortly by Kevin Dunn. And it is postgame following a 35-6 victory for the Longhorns over BYU. As Brian Zach drum cover says, because F-O-U, sure. That can be the unofficial sponsor for today's postgame show, F-O-U. Good Lord, guys. Couldn't take business, couldn't take care of business over Kansas. With Jason Bean is quarterback. Well, I guess you still have our number right now, at least until a possible Big 12 championship game matchup. Still a ways to go for that one for both Texas and Oklahoma. And let's not act like either of those teams are world beaters right now. Leaving that game in Dallas as a Longhorns fan, even though you were disappointed, you were hopeful that these two teams could take care of business to get back there, to get back to the DFW area that first weekend of December. But you also can't take anything for granted. But for Texas today, it wasn't the most inspiring performance on offense, but the defense responded in a major way to what was a huge letdown in last weekend's way-too-close victory over the Houston Cougars. And as a result, the Quinn Ewers-less Texas Longhorns do win 35-6 in the first game at DKR in about a month, maybe slightly less than a month right now. I don't remember exactly. I'm thinking it's a couple of days less than a month. And Johnny, you said it. Biggest home game of the season is next week. A lot of teams go through ebbs and flows, and Kansas State is no different. A couple weeks ago, after that Oklahoma State loss, you felt pretty confident about that game, but things change very, very quickly. But for this Texas Longhorns team right now, the question becomes, how much confidence do you have think it's unfair to pin things on Malik Murphy how much confidence do you have in this offense right now that includes Malik Murphy Jonathan Brooks the wide receivers JT Sanders the offensive line but most specifically the guy who is responsible for calling plays and directing this offense Steve Sarkeesian on the sidelines the head coach of this football team, and the final score looks great if you're the Longhorns right now, but it's also a little bit misleading, too, based on how the game itself went. And I am joined now by my best friend. Looks like he may be in his home studio. It's yeah. Kevin Dunn. What's up, buddy? Living room. Living room, excuse me. Oh, yeah, I see where you are. You're in the, uh, the chair. Yep. It's nice having four spots for one person. So I'm picking and choosing, but there's obviously World Series stuff I want to get on, but also college football, but also very excited after that because I, I was, um, I think like a lot of people after last week and and what we've seen from Oklahoma on, just kind of wondering where this team was. And it may be more of an answer, BYU is where their stats were, but um, Texas left, I mean, really two touchdowns out there. We can get into the red zone stuff, but. I'm I'm happy to have a really really good win like that. Thought the defense played well. Uh, they ran the ball well. You can get into Malik, um, but overall, 
I'm pleased right now, man. I don't know. I, I just caught you. So I don't know where are your thoughts right now. I think that uh, I'm, I'm very happy with what the defense was able to do today. And I think we saw some good things out of special teams too, but I think that this coaching staff tried to show way too much faith in Malik Murphy early on and neglecting Jonathan Brooks as a result. I know he got injured at some point. I'm not sure when exactly I was driving back early in the fourth quarter. So I wasn't able to watch very closely, but um, this is a team that if they go up uh, against a better squad that has a little bit more to offer than what BYU does defensively and probably offensively too, like I, I don't know what's going to happen in that game anymore. Like if Quinn yours is his team starting quarterback going into next week's game, and maybe he has a down performance against BYU, but the defense looks that good, then I'm going to feel pretty confident. But right now, I'm just not too sure. Like, the uh, Texas coaches try to give Malik Murphy a ton of leeway early on in this game, and that resulted in one first down before you uh, ultimately have to punt a couple turnovers in the first half and really just an uneven performance that left Steve Sarkeesian calling a lot of uh, short, easy throws for Malik Murphy at times in the second half, they eventually expanded things a little bit more, but I just, I thought they made things way too difficult on themselves offensively early on in this football game. And it's, it's disappointing to me because this game was a lot closer than I think it needed to be, even with an inexperienced guy like Malik Murphy back there. Yeah. They, they won 35, six, right? They did. Okay. Just checking. Yep. Um, and I, I mean, I, I, I can't really argue a lot of what you said. So, I mean, this is maybe I, my, my expectations went so back down to earth and below earth that 35, six, I'm taking it. Uh, I, do I like the John Makovic counter tray? Are we going to waggle this way or maybe throw back to priest homes or maybe Phil Brown or Adrian Walker on the carry? Um, and he gets blown up in the red zone. Hand the ball off to Jonathan Brooks, bro. Like, and, and look, I, I understand that we've had issues once we get to the nine and a half yard line. It's first and goal from the nine, and we run inside zone every time. Maybe break out one of those John McVick esque counter schemes or trap schemes or a different power, something that's not inside zone. But you set it up to where, I mean, I don't remember a BYU team being this bad BYU our whole life at 45 has been almost as consistent as any other program Ohio State's been as consistent at a higher level Miami Alabama Notre Dame USC Texas you name them, they've all had 10 to 15 years where they were really six and five and sucked kind of for them BYU for what they are has been really good I don't remember a BYU team being this bad when you run plays like that you you allow them to get a white Westlake 210, love Westlake, went there, uh, guy off the edge who's blitzing, and you have Hayden Connor pulling from the left guard to block him, right? which he obviously wasn't there to block him, but that's what the play ran into. And that really pissed me off. If you want to get into frustration, and they still won 35-6. This should have been, as you give me your point, 49-6, right? Yeah, it probably should have been something like that. Like even even the offensive possessions that resulted in touchdowns are a little bit of fool's gold. Like the first offensive possession that turned into a touchdown was on a short field. That was thanks to 
an interception by the defense. And it's great that this defense was able to force at least one turnover today. I feel like there were a couple, yeah, because there was a fumble at the end of the game. Like, we uh, didn't see a whole lot of this offense sustaining long drives and turning those into points, unfortunately. And for Steve Sarkeesian, he's really hard-headed about certain things at times. And last year it was showing people that he knows best by having Quinn Ewers throw deep ball after deep ball. Even though statistically Quinn Ewers was one of the worst quarterbacks in the country at throwing deep balls. And this year that's turned into short yardage situations. I guess the exception is Savion Red back there in that wildcat formation. Well, and, and by the way, we saw that. I guess it was forced. You know, when I saw that, I thought, one, I hate when people do this. We've worked with people who do this. Man, I guess they were listening to us. And you and I have done radio long enough when they actually were listening to one of our shows or us. And it probably fed to what we're saying is what the people want and you end up doing it. I'm kidding around with that here. But we talked about that a lot. Um, and, you know, they finally went to it, I guess, because of Malik. Man, it would have been nice to see that on the fourth down. Was it fourth down conversion? Um, at the 11, right? And then they go back to it in the, at the goal line. Would yeah, they run it like three straight times. Would it, it would have been great to see that, though, against OU at least, right? Like, I feel like sometimes it's overdone like it was there, but also not done when it should be done at least once. Well, and that was my point that I was about to make, too, is like, look, I, I know that you want to show everybody that you are the most physical team on the field when you put your jumbo package in. And it was less than jumbo today, I think, on that final fourth down play where they got stuffed a couple of times on fourth and shorts. Now, one was a, a fourth and goal from the one. The other was a technically a fourth and one from the two. They had a chance to pick up a first down. They didn't once again. Like, you're not a, you are not a team that excels in those jumbo package situations, running the football. Spread it out, man. I don't know why you limit yourself right now. I don't know why you make it that much easier for a defense to have to account for less guys in a situation like that. And that just, to me, gets back to Steve Sarkeesian being strangely hard-headed about certain things versus recognizing what's actually happening, what works and what doesn't, and moving away from what's doesn't, what doesn't to try and find something different. And I think that's a big reason right now why we see, even in a win like this, this Texas football team continuing to suck in the red zone. They were better on third downs today, which is great, except BYU's defense was really not all that good. I, I just Over the last couple of weeks, I've seen this Texas offense make things much more difficult than it has to be. And um, like today's final score is not necessarily indicative of that. If you're not watching the game, you're like, oh, Texas took care of business like they needed to. Yeah, they, they did. They pulled away in the end, so it was uh, another example, much like what we saw against pick an opponent through the first five games of this year, where they wore an opponent down and pulled away in a major way at the end. But um, you not only have Kansas State next week, game here in Austin, which is fortunate, I guess, but now that game in Iowa State is looming a little bit larger too because that is a much better defense than what you'll play. And the effort today absolutely will not cut it. And so maybe Steve Sarkeesian was using today because he felt like this should be a victory as an opportunity to let Malik Murphy make some more throws early on and let him throw that down the field a little bit uh, earlier 
in the game than he might have otherwise, but I, I just don't know what what that accomplished versus you taking what is the true on strength of this football team right now, and that is Jonathan Brooks and to a lesser degree C.J. Baxter running the ball and doing that more early. So yeah, I'm, sorry to be Debbie Down- I'm sorry to be Debbie Downer right now. I was just watching it and just getting annoyed because this this they didn't why, even why are you horse? They didn't even run it once on that first series. And it's like I, I I harped on this all last week. Don't make this more difficult on yourself than it needs to be. And I watch him continue to do that. It's very evident at the ends of halves. And it was evident at the start of today's game, too. And it's like he's trying to prove a point to nobody, prove a point to himself. I don't know who he's proving that point to. All you're doing is proving that you probably don't have what it takes as a head coach in big games against good opponents. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're being way too negative. Um, I mean, maybe maybe your thought was that this team is um, much better than they are. But with Malik Murphy in there, um, you know, Brooks goes for 6.1. I mean, I understand your points, too. But I think the overview of this, and we can get into certainly stuff like that, I, th- I think you make some valid points. But it's like stuff that I, I just – I. I'm happy, really happy the defense played the way they did. And I, mean, that, I, I have no gripes about the defense. That BYU offensive line, uh, getting back to uh, just BYU being so consistent in our lifetime, now this was as bad a BYU team as I can remember. I mean, it certainly wasn't Robbie Bosco. You go through everything. I mean, Sark, when he was there in that great 96 pig scene classic against AM. Uh, their offensive line looked like a 6A offensive line. Um, and Texas did what they should against a team like that. You know, we'd laugh during the week. Usually they have like 27-year-old guys with beards and three kids and, you know, a mortgage or two. Um, but they look like, you know, South Lake Carroll, um, which is usually a good line. It's not a BYU line. They, they just physically, I mean, you know, they look like that. Visually, they, they just, you know, reminded me of a, you know, obviously not that, but more like almost like a, you know, Montana team or something like that. Hmm. And Texas defensive line really took advantage of them. I, I, I was happy the way the defense played. The receivers are big bodied um, and not real fast twitch and not real go-getters. But the way Terrence Brooks played last week, I thought he played really well. Jude Barron just continues to prove he's the best guy in the secondary. I thought he was awesome. I thought Jalen Ford, who's really been in a, a, a kind of a dip for him, as good yep. as he was last year and at the beginning of this year. And I thought he played really well. Um, so I I know what this defense is. If they face a, r- a really good receiving core tomorrow with a good offensive line, I'd be worried about it. But I, I wanted to see them – assert their dominance and I was skeptical of that um to the level they did defensively I agree with a lot of the offensive stuff you've talked about and I thought overall Malik for what it was I mean it was not pretty or brilliant I get that but it's your first start and the interception was what um but he made some good throws I you know we now, talked about Will you help me out here? Because being at the game, it's hard to uh, to know exactly what's happening. When was that the same play where the ball was snapped surprisingly to him and it was snapped high also? Was that the same play that he threw that interception? I think so. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was also on him, though. It's just not, you know, it's just kind of panicking, and that that's going to be part of your first start. You don't want it to look like that. But Quinn had moments like that last year yeah. where you just go, what? Um, so Brock Purdy was having moments like that as a senior at Iowa State. Yeah, he's had moments. He had moments like that last week with the 49ers after True. being, you know, a top five quarterback. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, he um, I thought overall, you know, he made some good plays some bad plays, stuff to learn from. But it's not one of those right away where I'm thinking, whoa, we can't deal with that. He also made some good throws. I mean, even the first A.D. Mitchell touchdown, he underthrew it. OK, it's a touchdown. I've seen a lot of guys try and, and, and get a 10 out of 10 out of that and throw it out of the back of the end zone. It's a touchdown. So it's something we can work on. It wasn't perfect, but it's six. Um, the the throwback to JT Sanders, I thought was really, you know, we've talked about he throws 98 all the time. And I, I thought he took too much off the ball today, which I guess is a good adjustment by him to show that he has the ability not to fastball everything. You nailed it. You nailed it. And so it's almost one of those where you're like, your kid pulls back a little bit too much. And you're like, great, great. I didn't know this was possible. So I didn't know that was in there. So we will find the middle there and you'll find it naturally. So yeah, the throwback to JT was actually perfect and, and a good catch by him, but also a pretty tight fit and good pace, good touch, good depth and, and good just fuel for that. So that, that pumped me up more than anything with Malik. He's got a ways to go. I am with you. I mean, you know, there just seem to be times when it's obvious to go with with Jonathan Brooks. This is not, once again, 2016 Alabama offensive line. It can't be inside zone every fucking run, okay? Sark, call your buddy Shanahan. There are a lot of creative whams, counters, power straps, a lot of stuff you can do. I know you know that. You, 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 I, you've forgotten more about those run designs and I'll ever know. Can we please do that a little bit? They're doing it a little bit more, but I need more of it. He has an in him. I mean, he, you know, he regularly has thousand yard rushers and that's not the result of him run, running the same two or three plays over and over again, or the same two concepts over and over again. Although maybe with our Alabama, he can get away with it. I just, um, Yeah. That's that's my hope also, but I just at this point I I don't have a ton of faith in him making that that proper adjustment. So, um, which is fair. I mean, I, I hate that I'm being so negative about this right now. I have no need to be. As you said, the score was an impressive. No, you're not, you're being real. I'm just Texas giving you Raiders, life. They won game one in dramatic fashion last night. Game two is coming up tonight. I feel good about that series. Like I don't I don't know what got to me so much about today's game other than him making it much harder for this football team than he had to like, thank goodness Xavier worthy is able to return that first punt for a touchdown. It was a great punt by the way, but he outkicked his coverage and that's the situation right there. Why you have Xavier worthy back there. It's not yeah. to run up and call fair catch in traffic. Cause he won't do that. He runs away from the ball in those situations, but in a scenario where he has room to catch a ball, whether it's a low liner or whether it's one that, uh, the, the wind gets behind it and it pushes it 10 to 15 yards deeper than it would be otherwise, that's where he becomes special as a punt returner. That was a, that was a great moment for him. In, a, in no. a season where he's had a really nice bounce back year in terms of 
what we thought of him as versus the actual production. No doubt, man. Um, and by the way, you're not wrong about the offense. I mean, they, they, what they threw, I mean, obviously threw for, I see 170 for Malik. So there's a long way to go with that. And some of that's on start. I mean, I guess everything that we've seen is still there. The red zone issues. And that's with Sark at the end of the day. That that play, especially on the turnover. Now, should Malik recognize that and that guy's hot? And you better know about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, also know we got a fucking left pulling guard who's going to have to block that. Hmm. And you actually should slide. And that should be Christian who gets that. And let, or was that another one where you let the back actually take the middle if there's a blitzing linebacker? And you slide it out. I mean, there, there's some pretty basic things like that with protection, but I don't expect Malik to know that or to be, or there's so much stuff going on to be aware of that. So I'm giving him a lot of leeway, as I told you I would during the week, as all of us should. It's his first game to start, it's his first real action in college football. So, but 170 yards ain't going to cut it, and 184 rushing yards. Man, it felt like Texas could have probably ran for a lot more than that. Um, and they should have scored more than they did, too. I mean, they had two touchdowns sitting there. You know, the, the JT Sanders, I don't mind that play. And we see that play in college football a lot. But Whittington doesn't get a, get the block on the perimeter. And you're down at the two. You know, I mean, the, there were, I guess there was another one, too, where how they ran for it. And so really could have been three more touchdowns. So I think that would probably change your perception right now. But your point still stands that offensively, and I, I expected this, I think you did too, with a brand new quarterback, that, that Texas is going to have to get better and better and better. And and they're going to have to improve. And I think this game showed that even though it was 31-6, cause, 35-6. Because next week against Kansas State, is like you said, it's going to be a whole different ballgame. Yeah, the offensive numbers weren't great, but the, even those were a little bit deceptive. Like Jaden Blue yep. has four carries for 44 yards on that final drive, including that 34-yard touchdown. Like, right. The rushing yardage total is closer to 140 or 150, which isn't a bad number necessarily, but that number could have been a whole lot better. Like yeah, the fact that Jonathan Brooks has nine carries in the first half. He was over 50 yards. I want to say he was like five and a half to six yards of carry at that point. And he had a catch that went for uh, a few yards as well on a swing pass. It's like, uh, um, I look at that and then CJ Baxter having five carries. And it's just like, are, are you utilizing your, the, the tools in that box properly versus trying to trying too hard to get Malik Murphy comfortable? And whatever you thought you might be doing, like Malik Murphy in the first half was 10 of 15 for 103 yards. So he had a couple downfield throws. I forget if the play you were describing from JT Sanders is the play that I'm thinking of in the first half where he throws it to the left and JT Sanders catches the ball and the BYU safety comes up and makes a really nice hit. But it's a great catch by Sanders. And I honestly kind of felt like the hit helped secure the catch for JT Sanders. Like that was a good example of him uh, finding his receiver and putting it in a spot where the receiver had a chance to to catch the football. And there were a few other examples like that too. You mentioned uh, one of the A.D. Mitchell touchdowns where the ball was maybe put a little bit too high and it gives the defensive back a chance to get back into the play. Well, with a good receiver like A.D. Mitchell, that's okay. That's actually a good ball 
because he is a guy who is going to be able to go up and high point that ball better than most offensive backs. And so it's better than, than running him out of the back of the end zone, trying to hit him in stride right there. But it was also pretty clear to me that after those first couple of series that Steve Sarkeesian realized that he didn't want to put too much on Malik Murphy with regards to possibly turning the football over any, anymore. And I don't fault him for that necessarily, but it's like that's that's something that wouldn't even have been an issue if you weren't trying to put so much on his plate early on versus running the ball a little bit more and letting him operate off of play action, which you let him run uh, operate off of play action a fair amount, but play action matters less when you're not handing the football off at all. And that's BYU just started teeing off on that. That's part of the reason why they were to get to him on that first interception is because there was no effort being made to run the football. And so you you kind of left Malik Murphy high and dry as a result. Yeah, a couple of things. I'm, I'm done. I'm done being negative on this. We're we're gonna figure out uh, other ways to be positive about this game. Why are you hoarse? Are we yelling at that game? What was there to yell at? Um, not really. I I yelled a couple of times. I don't feel like I'm too hoarse, am I? You're getting there, man. Uh. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of the ball to to uh, Ad Mitchell, it wasn't too high. He didn't he didn't put enough zip on it. Um, you got to put more pace on that. You still keep it high. You actually want it high. You don't want to try and fucking lace that thing in. But um, but it was underthrown. I mean, either way. So you can you know you may be right. I may be right. Whatever. Um, but but it was still a touchdown. Uh, <laughs> no, the JT Sanders ball I'm talking about were were the red zone and really goal line opportunities where they didn't score. Oh, the fourth, the fourth down play to JT Sanders where he threw it to the right. Yeah. And Sanders gets tackled. Okay. I see. Yeah. And we see that play all the time. You go in motion, look like you're going to wham or seal and you release and it's zone read. Um, but it's up to Whittington to make that block and Whittington didn't make the block. And I mean, a corner should not make that play. If a linebacker sniffs it out and reads it, then that's usually how that stops. So little things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, overall, you know, there's still red zone stuff they have to figure out. Um, there's a lot there. What was the second thing I was thinking about? Um, I don't know. I agree with you, Ryan Malik. And this is, this comes with experience. You learn to eat certain plays versus trying to make too much out of something when it's clear that the, uh, the play is done for one reason or another. Yep. And that was, uh, that was certainly the case with both the interception and, uh, and the fumble. I, I really don't know what he was trying to throw to on the interception because there wasn't, uh, at least based on my vantage point in the stands. No, he just panicked, man. There was not a uh, there was not a receiver in the area, but that that's a learning experience for him. And that'll be great for him to go back and and think about it and go look at the tape and see exactly what was going on from that uh, from that fifty yard line vantage point where that primary play camera is. I uh, did. Go ahead. Um. I did like, I mean, having Ogbo in there uh, as a tackle. I mean, essentially a, a sixth offensive lineman who's wearing 80. Um, I did think that, I, I mean, there were some of the schematical things they did. I, you know, I do like, and I like seeing more of that. Maybe he was in there last week. Um, definitely thought Malik was calm. I think some of the other stuff. I worked on a bunch of stuff. Um, this is a number they threw out there. And I mean, I've heard this a couple of times this year, but it, it just, as a, 
you're you're gonna kick out of this as you know long time Longhorn football fan. It's the first time in 30 years we've had the same offensive line coming back, which really explains a lot. It's funny though, within those 30 years, a lot of them were successful. The last 10, obviously not, but the fact that they were still able to to churn that out and you could feel that. I did feel like today reminded me of what we talked about all week is that, man, you know, this team's nowhere near as deep as any of us thought, and myself included. I overrated certain position groups, not secondary. I didn't trust the starters and still kind of stick with that, although they played really well today. Um, but just once you get every, when you get a lot of these guys back, it looks like more of the team. Granted, I get the competition, but just functioning and firing off um, like we saw earlier in the year. You know, this program is not at a point where they're one through 44. They're one through 22. And you know what? We haven't been one one through 22 in about 10 years. So I'll take it. Looking back on the YouTube comments line, which is the clean cause YouTube comments line. Johnny Lambert is asking, is it going to be Malik next week or does Quinn come back? No way to know for sure. It's a week-to-week injury, Johnny, but I would think that it's going to be Malik for at least one more week. So, Can I I ask you, as someone who, one, just studies this stuff naturally because it's what you love to every day and just in your life, but also follow a lot of these doctors, um, I mean, what's your guess if it really, really is an AC joint? Like last year, four to six weeks, three to five weeks, two to four weeks, what? We saw Sam Ellinger suffer a similar injury. I forget if it was his last year or second to last year. And he was out the bye week, but he came back that very next week. And he still seemed to be at least a little bit affected by the injury. But the AC joint is tricky. And you can do some things to try and expedite the healing. But it's also dependent on the body kind of healing itself. And the other aspect of it that you have to be careful with especially with the throwing shoulder is that when the ac joint is wonky it makes it much more likely that you throw the shoulder completely out of place and so i'm sure quinn is cognizant of that as he tries to work his way back onto the field but if i'm the training staff i'm the coaches if i'm quinn ewers and you know the people in quinn ewers corner i want to make sure that he's good he's ready to go and like truly healthy and recovering from that injury before he's back out there. Like I get that, you know, this team still has aspirations to win a conference championship. And if the chips fall the right way for them, the rest of the way, including a tough game against Kansas state next week, you might find your way into the college football playoff, but Quinn yours has other aspirations too. So that's, that's something that may also play into account. Can we repeat what we said this week? If you haven't checked us out, Trey are on three to five uh, Tuesday and Thursday. Trey's on from three to five Tuesday or every day, and also twelve to one with uh, with uh, Aaron with uh, with uh, BK. And we've got shows from eight to five. So check out all the shows. We, we get into a lot of this stuff. But one of the things we talked about from three to five on Tuesday and or Thursday was. That, you know, just looking at this team, they're not a college football playoff team. And we say that with most years of the college football playoff. They're not a Big 12 championship team. 
And we say that with most years of the Big 12. This is the worst Big 12 ever. This is a really down college football year. So even though they're at this still linear spot in their program growth, this is not a college football playoff team. It's not a Big 12 championship team. But they could be this year. So everything you say, it's weird. We're like mixing, understanding our kids growing and, oh, my God, Harvard may want to talk to them at 11. Well, I mean, the kid's smart, but uh, and we're happy where they're at. Maybe not 11, 14. But, hell, if they're talking to them, let's – like, all that stuff is still realistic. You see Oklahoma losing to Kansas, but it just doesn't feel like they're there, which probably gets back to your opening frustration. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Thank you for doing so. Daryl, I tend to agree with you that if Quinn comes back, it's going to be for that Tech game on the Friday after Thanksgiving to give him one game back, assuming Texas is playing in the Big 12 championship game. I think if Texas finds itself on the outside looking in, we may not see Quinn Ewers again in a Longhorn uniform, assuming that he's going to try and go pro after this season. But (laughs) that Black Friday game, or maybe, maybe the week before, but uh, it is encouraging. I didn't see this on the sideline today, but we have people reporting this right now on the uh, the Clean Cause YouTube comments line that he did not have a sling on today. That's good. He didn't, yeah. That's not completely surprising. Here's the issue for me, though. Like I, I can I can say this stuff because I pay close attention to injuries, but I also understand that that's going to upset certain people because you want gamers to suck it up and play because they love playing for their team. It's like when I was saying after JT Sanders suffered that injury against Kansas, like, yeah, I'd love him to play against Oklahoma, but if he's not effective, which it seems very likely considering just how bad that injury looked in real time and then watching it on replay, then you as the coaches and the training staff have to understand that you're doing what's best for him, but also for yourselves too. Yeah, JT Sanders is a hard guy to talk off the field, yeah. He's able to give you anything, but he was at like 50% against Oklahoma and he wasn't a net positive in that game. He was a net negative. You, and so all totally... these things have to be factored in and it's not, you know, it's, there's no one right answer necessarily. You're right. I mean, no, JT is one of those guys who like would have played with Buckus back in the day. Oh like, yeah. He has that mentality. Like yep. JT Sanders could have played football in 1942. Um, and he would have been actually, sorry, he would have been serving in the war. Because he's that, you know, like like Sanders and, is. And unfortunately for him, he would have been on the front line too. Yeah. Well, yes, you're exactly right about that. Well done, sir. Um, yeah, he would have been the ultimate hero, actually. And probably still would have fucking survived and been back and been like, all right, let's go play ball, you know. Uh, but he is that mentality, which you love. But th- you have to understand the guys you're dealing with and like making sure you, you know, y- you take care of, Take care of them because they won't. And it's also why you love them. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect to see Quinn back. You know, some interesting stuff. I'm actually looking now first time at the um, at the uh, comment line here. Ryan Bearden, who we love, man. R- Ryan really was our favorite caller ever, right, on yeah. this game. I mean, we was always the guy. You know, we had Dwayne. And we ever gotten Dwayne on there? Um, but but R- have we? I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay. I, I hope that if Dwayne decides to join our post game show, that he makes sure to identify himself as Dwayne and he doesn't go with some weird screen name. Dwayne, get that drink at your hand when you're on the radio. 
That was the best, that was the best call ever as we heard uh, a wife or girlfriend talking to the caller. But Ryan is awesome. Ryan always had like the most objective. So Ryan would make us either like, no, okay, we're this way or that way. We need to get central here and, and really be real about it. And he said, Malik needs to learn two things for uh, next week. One, live to see another play, throw it away. Totally agree. Um, but I think all three of us would agree. Yes, but that's also, you know, if it's your 11th game starting and we're, we're still saying that, then we got issues. Uh, two, you're allowed to go, allowed to move side to side to get out of the pocket. I like two a lot. I don't know. We talked about it this week, right? I don't know how mobile he is, but Tom Brady ran a 5-1, whatever it was, right? I think, you know, you and I beat him our, our senior year somehow with our 5-0-0-0, whatever, 4 um, Like, he's more he's more athletic than a lot of guys who still have pocket mobility or can, you know, create a little bit and, and, and delay something or extend a play. And once again, though, I'd also say that takes time. But both those things, especially number two, need to be there, right? Agreed. And so Tom Brady made up for a lack of athleticism by having one really good pocket presence, but two, the wherewithal to know back to your point from a few minutes ago of where the pressure was coming from. Yep. Neither attacking that great point vacated great spot point. or getting the football out quickly someplace else. So he great didn't suffer point. a sack. Right. Awesome point. No, so Blake no. Murphy will hopefully eventually learn that. God, can we please? Can we please not ever make the Vince Young Malik Murphy comparison again? Like that was on the YouTube comments line earlier this week. And I get it. People are like trying to speak as optimistically as possible. He he is not a threat as a runner. Like you may see him do some okay things as a runner from time to time. That's not what he is, though. He is more of a pocket passer. That was the case coming out of high school. It's still the case right now. And you want to get him comfortable back there to where he is making throws at various levels and all over the field too. And that's, that's not there right now, but you also need to be okay with that because he is learning on the job. Once again, I, like I defended the couple of texters this week, cause you're just being an a-hole all of a sudden there's a lot in common. They're tall, they're black, and apparently both like protein bars for a games asshole. Okay. So there's three right there. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, whoever did that, like, you know, do text us and just or DM us and give us your dealer's name um, because that that is some powerful stuff. There's no comparison there. No. I, there are some throws he made, and he, I thought you hit the nail on the head this week. You actually broke down Malik's game and how it compares to Vince's. And guy's a strong arm, man. Um, mm-hmm. And we saw that at times. I mean, uh, the slant to A.D. Mitchell for the touchdown, a couple other balls, man, the zip there. I think your point is well taken before. It's almost like he was taking too much off to show some pace and some touch and some and some depth. And I'm like, yes, that, that's okay. You know, it's in there. It's in there. Our kid can do a little bit of math. Holy shit. They were 800 on the SAT and like, you know, English. And, 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 and but this is amazing. So it's there. Like, it'll take time. I, I, I guess that's the way I felt, man. My kid finally like was able to run, you know, and, 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 and I didn't know if they could or not. So it's not like anything against Malik because people were creating all these theories. He had thrown one real pass in college football and we'd seen him in the spring game. 
you know, as I said this week, I stand by it. Let's give him time. And I stand by the same thing after 170 yards and losing Johnny. Thank you. Time of possession in the first half. There were things to improve on. And I think Trey hit a lot of them early. And he's right about that. There's nothing he said. I would have gone after him. There's anything wrong. There's nothing I disagree with. Him showing touch was one of the two or three most encouraging things about the offensive performance today. Totally agree. By the way, I, I know nobody's going to care that I called this beforehand and there were only two people sitting around me that were Longhorn fans. I will. Bunch of BYU fans up to a point when I moved sections and we ended up going to sit with our friends for a chunk of the second quarter into the third quarter. But I called the Xavier Worthy punt return for a touchdown. Nice. And they were like, they, people were like, oh my God, you just called it, which was great. But one of the two people. Against an all white Mormon school. Way to go. One of the two people. I know. Punch was call really it against good. 90 Punch Miami. Was out his coverage with the, uh, the wind behind him. What do you know? <laughs> but, no, uh, anytime you call a punt return or a kick return, it's like calling a home run. I don't care who it was. It's still, you know, impressive, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all right. But uh, one of the two people was this woman who was clearly passionate about Texas, but also I don't know how long she's been a fan for, like still trying to learn the game and still trying to understand certain details about the sport and certain bits of trivia about the sport. And it was fun, you know, talking yeah. with her back and forth about stuff. But you, at one you, point. You and I were there once. I mean, we were like seven or eight but like everyone, wasn't, you know, i wasn't treating her like crap or looking down on her or anything good. i was like i was humoring it and i was like she and i were going back and forth but at one point she tried to uh to spit a piece of trivia that she had for me and she said did you know that uh -oh. in ohio state uh -oh. before their home games there's a children's hospital right next door to the stadium and everybody before the game starts they wave up at all the sick kids and I said, hey, actually, she's close, man. I said, actually, she's close, but she's not really that fucking close. Okay. Cause that, it's big I, 10. I, it's big 10. It's, 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 I, I get it. It's Iowa, but I mean, <laughs> and you would have been, at, you, you would have been at Kinnick. You, you, you went to Kinnick like twice, like when we were like right out of college. Didn't I you? only went once, but that was a yeah. fun experience. And it was against Ohio State too, for uh, funny enough. By the okay. way, Ohio State. Ohio State does do the cancer sick kid thing, but as any Texas fan who knows who went there in 2005, they actually go out there and unplug it and then beat the shit out of a kid. <laughs> and everyone cheers. So go Buckeyes, dot the eye and dot the nose because we are an awful fan base. That's the, that's the response I wanted to give her, but I went PG with it. And so I said, actually, that's Iowa that you're thinking about. She's like, oh, yeah. I said, at Ohio State, they turn to the children's hospital right next door to the stadium, and everybody just gives the sick kids the finger. <laughs> and she goes, what? And I said, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. It's just what they do in Columbus. Did you really say that? Yes. Oh, my God. Like, so she probably went home, and so now her add-on trivia to the Iowa thing is at Ohio oh. State they do that, except they give sick kids the finger. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to come up with the Michigan one. <laughs> they steal the radiation report. Which would be good, man. When I had chemo reports, man, my mom made calls because she was in that industry and tried to get the doctor to tell us like the Friday, if they're going to tell us on Monday, of what the latest chemo deal was. 
All right. Well, that was uplifting. Um, some other stuff. Um, and that was all on me, by the way. So welcome to the post game show. Uh, appreciate y'all listening. <laughs> Shout out to a lot of different people. Um, I'm just going to give people a spoiler alert right now. This show, this post game show is not going much more than 20 minutes. Cause I have a Rangers game to get to, by the way, I need to uh, get through some sponsorships here. Get through comments line, clean cause, Clean Cause has eight delicious flavors of organic sparkling yerba mate with low or zero calories and 160 milligrams of natural caffeine. 50% of net profits support addiction recovery. To date, they've given almost $3 million in support of recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. That is awesome to hear. Yeah. Find out more at cleancause.com. All right, a couple things. Uh, I'm going to go through some stuff. Um, just See what kind of what you think. We talk about really good depth, one through 22. I mean, I, I think as we're at the spot now and when you lose people and then get people back, and a lot of it's the opponent, I get that, but Houston's not world beaters. So, um, you know, as long as one through 22 is there and they don't have that with their top quarterback, no way. Thank you so much, Noah. You are too generous man, each and every week. We really appreciate you, man. Become like our, our best fan. And uh obviously Noah, I mean, you throw in any cash like that for the for the uh Texas Sports Unfiltered and Ryan too. Ryan, we, thank you. Yes. Well, y'all, sorry, y'all let us know. I mean, we'll hit anything. We're not total whores, but if you're gonna help out what we're building here and we're trying to keep this around and alive, then um yeah, uh you ask any question, we'll put 20 minutes on it. I'll make sure sure this guy goes to the Rangers third inning if that's the uh that's the case. Let's um, go, no yeah. way. Let's go, Rangers. I'm sorry, continue. Man, I am too, dude. When C- so I called Seeger's home run. Did you? Dude, Paul Seawald lives up in the zone. Corey Seeger is a first ball, fastball, yeah. ambusher, and has really going from what game six, game seven, really game seven, when they jumped on um Javier. You know, he's got that disappearing fastball up in the zone, and he'd been killing those guys. And their main focus was to get on top of that thing. And Seeger can get on top of fastballs like that better than anyone. He Seawald lives with his four-seamer at 91-92 and up in the zone. I was waiting for it. And you know who else was and called it before me and as well as me and on national TV? John, John Smoltz. Yeah. yeah. He's he's really good. I I don't know where he people is. are with him. I I like him a lot. I think people hate great. him, but I'm also looking only on Twitter. So which people yeah. hate people hate God on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He pre- he provides such great insight from a pitcher's perspective, though. Like I guess yeah. you look for things more from a batter's perspective, but like he's he's doing what his job is supposed to be. Right. And I don't want John Smoltz to tell me. I'd rather him tell me about dunking or putting than batting, which he was yeah. probably better at. <laughs> um, John Smoltz was a damn good athlete, could dunk, I mean, for a long time and was a hell of a golfer. Um, all right, so depth exposed, have to be healthy. We talked about that. Um, don't remember the BYU offensive line looking that small and young. They look like me at 18 trying to get a drink at Jaime's, dude. Um, uh, and they usually look like me right now, you know, some good or you, you know, like, hey. We got some wrinkles, some facial hair, and we've lived a little bit. There's some scars in there. You know what I mean? Where it's like we we are grown fucking men, and they didn't feel that. Like no. this BYU team just didn't feel like like a lot of them we we've seen before. Thank God. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm loving it, but I'm also trying to balance that with what you're talking about. Where this thing should have been what 49 could have been 52 six. 
which I'm fine with. They won 35-6, but that better get cleaned up. Like the 35-6, to the 52-6 to that you really started the show off with will be a loss against Kansas State. Or it could be if they play like they did today. Yeah, no, I look, I agree with that. And the and one of the other things that is concerning to me based on what I was seeing at the start of the game, do you know who the two starting safeties were for Texas today at the start of today's game? And they were the safeties for at least the first two, if not the first three series. I'm guessing Taff. Taff is one, which that's you have less of a problem with that. The other starting safety was Keaton Crawford. Yeah. Like what fucking point are you trying to make right there? Did he have a better week of practice than Jaron Thompson or Derek Williams? I have a hard time believing that, but even if he did, like take that with a large grain of salt and watch how bad he's been out there against actual competition too. But they're rolling the dice with him. For whatever reason, they're trying to show him that confidence to help him grow versus putting the right guys in that position. And it's so strange for me because at certain positions you see the coach is unwavering with regards to the right guys that need to be out there. Even if you completely dash the idea of a rotation, like the receivers are the best example of that. Right. Whereas yeah. other spots, it's like, yeah, Derek Williams is a better player than um, Keaton Crawford without question. And if there are two starters, maybe, maybe it's Derek Williams and Michael Taff, or maybe it's Jaron Thompson and Michael Taff. No, it's Keaton Crawford. So there you have it. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually got back with 10 minutes ago in the first quarter. So, um, have you been to Deckhand off of – I'm going to get them part of our family, man. Deckhand off of um, Lamar and uh, Ben Caucasian. We have to call it that now, right? Um, is that near where the – yeah, we do. Um, is that – what which – part of that intersection is that on like what is what is it like was it gate hills plaza it used to be the old uh outback steakhouse back in the day my mom and stepdad and i would go there like in the 90s is that where the pine house pizza is now is that where the pine house pizza is now like that i didn't see the pine house pizza um you know there used to be a target in there i mean it's right near the pluckers off there but it but it's i mean right off ben white and oh yeah yeah yeah. that's been that's been caucasian so yeah Yeah, yeah. been caucasian in south lamar sure deckhand okay dude it's it's good it's like it's surprisingly good that's where i went for my buddy's birthday little drinks the other night and they got some appetizers and it's like and like good prices still like 1998 prices it, it reminded me of a place my stepdad would have taken me to to go watch Texas and Louisville, like right off Ben White, where we lived right near there. And it just was, you know, it was old school Austin, but good food. So I don't want to make any assumptions. Seafood? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are some of, yes, definitely. I mean, a lot of that. So okay. calamari, good catfish, but a little Asian stuff with it. There's a lot of fusion in there. Um, but, but some, uh, some good stuff. Where was I going with that? We were going somewhere with that. Uh, you're talking about Deccan, which is where you were. Yeah. Early. And so oh, yeah. So so, so I was there hanging out with some people and, and just for like an hour just to get lunch. And so I was late to actually see the beginning of the game. But overall, I mean, you know, I, I went back and looked at it a little bit. So I didn't see the actual starters. 
Taft, though, the interception, one thing it is good to have out there, and look, Taft was exposed, as was most of the secondary last week, but Taft played pretty well. The safeties played pretty well. Terrence Brooks played a lot better. Once again, we're balancing that with BYU's not as good as Houston or as shifty or didn't have literally as good of a counter punch that you weren't looking for, which was the drag routes, the crossers, and the picks with that. Not giving Texas excuses last week, but they were looking for that and ready for it. BYU hit it a couple times, but I thought they played pretty well. And it also, you know, one thing we talked about a little bit this week, I wanted to get to more. I had my notes that I was going through. You and I just start going, man, on Tuesday and Thursday. Y'all got to check that show out. We did a show the 17th that I think are the best two hours I've ever done from 1994 on. National TV, radio, you name it. And I've done a bunch. Um, Like, you and I were were crushing it. We're crushing it um, on that show. So y'all go check that out. But one of the notes I had from this week that, that um, I didn't get to was I really felt like the safeties looking back on it again last week were just out of place. I didn't blame them as much looking at it. I blame more Kwiatkowski or Gideon or Joseph, whoever it is, goes down to K at the end, PK. But that's your deal. Um, and I felt like they were in better position this week. It was easier to be in better position because of the talent you're facing, but they were in better position. And, and I felt like that really showed, I felt like the cornerbacks really stepped up. Brooks played a much, much better game. Watts having him back, you know, you nailed this when he went out, Trey, that, that like he is, I just thought of him as a boundary corner who is physical, could stop the run and actually was not great in coverage, but he brings a lot to the table. He went down a couple of times in today's game. I, I know. I'm not, I, I don't know what's going to be okay. I, I don't know what's going to be happening with him the rest of the way because the first time he went down, I'm like, oh shit, he just reaggravated that hamstring injury. But then he was out there a couple series later. So yeah, he was back. I guess it's going to be a week to week thing. Look, uh, Terrence Brooks had one really bad coverage bust against Houston, and there were a couple of other moments that weren't great for him, including a missed tackle on a play that he was not responsible for covering. I want to say it was actually Michael Taff who was on coverage on that play. And it was the play where the Houston receiver runs up the right sideline, steps out of bounds, Anthony Hill, just because he's going so hard, runs into him. It wasn't malicious, but he gets a 15-yard penalty. I don't think Terrence Brooks had a lot of, has as bad a game as, as some people suggested last week, but it was still nice to see him have a better game this week, including that interception, which was... A product of circumstance. He wasn't necessarily uh, in tight coverage with somebody right there, but Keaton Slovis is facing pressure and gets hits as he's throwing that football, and it was up for grabs for Terrence Brooks. And he took it and went the other way and created a short field for that Texas offense and allowed them a great opportunity to score that very first touchdown. And as far as the safeties are concerned, I think you're right that the positioning was better, but I just I don't know how much of that was their positioning versus BYU posing very next to no threat in the passing attack. Like, I don't know. It's hard to see. It's hard to watch this when you're at the game because you're focused on what's happening on the line of scrimmage and what the quarterback is doing before you ultimately gets rid of the football. Was BYU even challenging Texas in the middle of the field? Like, I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to have to go yeah. back and watch the game tomorrow to see. I mean, they were, I mean, I'll say this, and there were a couple times where I really noticed it, that I thought the Texas communication, something we harped on all week, 
that a lot of this is on the coaches, but at some point as players, you got to communicate, man. I mean, don't you remember doing that like in sixth grade, communicating in, yep. especially in, if you're in man, if you're in straight man, yo, you got him, yo, you got him, you got him. The only argument you'd ever get in a confusion is, dude, I want to cover that guy. Now you cover him. Now you cover him. Now you cover him. And um, so they, there was one time where they're an 11 personnel and BYU is, and they split out, you know, the one of one of the 11s. Um, so if people don't know that, like, what's 11 personnel? All right, well, 21 personnel is you go backs, tight ends. That's what it is. And you know what the receivers are off that. So you have 11 personnel. You got one back, one tight end. The tight end ends up flexing out to go to trips to the left. So you got three receivers to the left. Well, at that point, you got two backs out there. Safety slides down. And it was really Jaday Barron, who's the best guy in the secondary, bar none. Talent-wise, but also he started barking. Boom. Boom. You got him. You got him. I got him. I knew they were playing man, which is fine. It's BYU. These guys can't get out of a, you know, can't get out of anything. Like, these guys are not, it's not, you don't have Jerry Rice, you know, and uh, and Tyree Kill over there with George Kittle. Don't worry. You go, man, you guys can man up with them. And they did. They locked them down. And I forgot what happened to Slovis, but they all knew where they were at. And that's where we were last week. Cover the guy. Don't have a bust. And they locked him up. And Slovis had to end up bailing and, and flushing out. And I thought, there we go. You know, um, communication's better. Some of that's coaching. A lot of that's coaching. But those guys being on the same page. And Barron, Barron was the one, if you go back and look at that play, it was trips left, and he was the one communicating. Communication looked better this week. And that is something that you can even take outside of whether it's BYU or they're playing Crockett or the Eagles tomorrow. Communication is something that 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 should, you know, that should happen against anyone. It doesn't talk about the other team's talent. It talks about you guys being in sync. And that that fired me up. Kind of like you said earlier, just Malik's touch fired you up, even though it was too much touch a lot of the time. Defensive play of the game is brought to you by Moonshine Patio Bar and Grill. If you've been in Austin for any amount of time, you know what Moonshine is all about. Moonshine's great. Comfortable and familiar, relaxed and easygoing. They greet guests like family while serving up an innovative take on classic American comfort food. Of course, you can go there for dinner, and they also have that phenomenal weekend brunch. Two locations, Downtown and Avery Ranch. We go to the Avery Ranch location from time to time here in Cedar Park. For more info, go to moonshinegrill.com. And I'm calling the defensive play of the game today, Kevin, because there's I know there were turnovers, but there's not one play that stands out to me. The play of the game is better communication. What do you think about that? I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, even that one play, and you go, what do you mean that one play? Um, like, I just love seeing that. It fired me up. I thought Tavondre Sweat just, once again, getting back to the BYU second, third trimester offensive lineman. Um, I mean, they they were, I've never seen their offensive line that bad in my life. And you know what? Take advantage of it. Yeah. Texas did. And Tavondre was, I mean, that, that felt like, do you ever play a guy who would hit puberty? 
and none of y'all had yet, like in the fourth grade or whatever? Well, that was that was middle school football, wasn't it? Seventh grade football. Yeah, I mean, I think I think so. I mean, yeah. Every team either had the running back or the quarterback who was head and shoulders bigger than everybody else. It was like fourth grade or fifth grade for me. We're playing Brant Landry in basketball, and he had full hair under his arms and like clearly had either shaved for that game. Shaved. You know, kidding me? Trying to get arm hair. Um, I mean, he was like jumping over us. That was like Tavondre throwing around these fucking kids. I was stuck behind one of those guys at today's game. He was a BYU fan too. I just wanted to tap him on the shoulder and say, dude, climb back up your beanstalk. Like you're a problem right now. I need to watch this game closely. And I'm having to stand on the bleachers in front of me because you are a giant ogre. They could have used them on the offensive line. And don't, tell, and don't tell me age is an issue. That That's why it's surprising. Right? No, I mean, usually, first time I ever saw them live, my dad takes me out of 7th or 8th eighth, eighth grade, I think. You go see Notre Dame BYU. The Lou Holtz, when he started to strangle the official game? Yeah. Or was that that? 8th grade, I think 92. Wow. And back then, the parents, my dad's like, yeah, I'm taking him out on Thursday. Kid's sick, all right? You know, grandma died. Really? Not really. Um, you know, you like you only have one more year there, kid, then you're out of there. Um, so yeah, so we go up, go which up is Chicago. very important, by the way, for parents to do to take kids out of yep. school when they're not sick to let them experience life. Do you think I remember many other things from eighth grade? <laughs> Hell no. Ended up doing well in high school, graduating from UT. Jobs. I, I'm very happy, successful, got money. Like so it, we're didn't good. Complete, it didn't completely derail you and lead to a heroin habit. Wow. Well, no, like no, he's lied to me. Shit. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so like we go up there and, um, and so it's BYU, but I just remember like the seats we had, like seeing these guys, you know, and I would have been what 14, but I mean, these guys, and I ended up looking them up, you know, me at that point, like I, I knew more college football then than I probably ever have every single guy in there. These kids are like, some of them were 24, 25, 26 beards. And like after the game would literally see their wife and they had two kids, you know, um, this was, I, I just expected, even though I had seen him, you know, a little bit more of an offensive line, but the Texas defensive line dominated. Um, I thought they did some pretty good stuff. They actually did some twists um, and then different blitzes coming off that, that I, I I was pretty, I was so pleased defensively. And and I know what BYU is. I don't care. This team was Swiss cheese and should have lost last week. That's how bad they were defensively. And they answered. So next week will be a different task, man. Like Jefferson and Fast Times. Yes, it will be. The defensive MVP is brought to you by Kenfield Golf Cars. If you're in the market for a new or pre-owned golf carts, look no further than Kenfield Golf Cars. They were founded in 1979. They have an unparalleled selection of different golf carts available in new or used. They'd love to turn your existing golf cart into your own design or build a golf cart to fit your needs. Nobody does it better than Kenfield Golf Cars. Check out their website, KenfieldGolfCars.com for more info. Or just give them a call, 
8515. Is there someone that sticks out as a defensive MVP from this game? Well, unlike last week where I gave it to Brian Jones from 1990 for <laughs> shadowing Chuck Weatherspoon in the go ahead and, uh, you know, not 45, but the 24 point shutdown of University of Houston. And it was the right five. call. What'd you say? I said, and it was the right call. It was the right call. This could be a couple. I mean, I I, I think I'd probably go with Tavondre Sweat. It just felt like that. But I, you could certainly go with Jalen Ford. Um, you could go with the whole secondary. Um, you know, it, it like they they showed up, man. This whole team showed up. Uh, Sorrell made some plays. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, you know what I mean? Did you see that? So this is kind of where I know I get to watch it on TV. And a lot of what you're asking me is totally fair. Cause I did the same thing when I'm there. What did you see live? Cause there's some stuff live with leverage and physicality that we don't always get on TV. Who stood out to you? Cause they clearly dominated defensively. I liked what you talked about earlier with Jalen Ford. He was all over the field and he was helping in run coverage and he was also helping out in pass coverage at times. I think that he was playing like a man inspired, which is what we needed to see because it had been a couple of bad weeks for him. Like he hadn't been bad this year. He's been good this year, but yeah. the last two weeks, it felt like an aberration because you've come to expect greatness out of the guy. And he's like the most rock solid piece of what was a good defense and as he went, the defense kind of went too. So for him to bounce back nicely like he did, I, I would be fine giving him the defensive MVP. But if you want to give it to somebody like Terrence Brooks or Michael Taft for the entire defensive line, or let's give it to the entire football team, Kevin, let's give everybody a trophy. But it's truly earned here because it was a team effort. And these guys did what they had to. They communicated better. And they gave BYU, like even when Texas wasn't pulling away in the game, like late in the third quarter into the fourth quarter, you didn't ever feel like BYU was about to sustain a drive to get within a single score. No. Because the defense was playing that well. Which is why probably when I joined you late, I'm like, dude, they won by enough. And once I started to really hear you, I'm like, all right, you're talking about individual offensive stuff that they have to clean up if they want to beat Kansas State and to actually win out. Completely fair. Which is also why everything I heard individually, I'm like, I. I can't argue that. Um, so, you know, defensively, they, they, they made this to where even though the offense gave still way too much stuff up. And once again, I'll, I'll probably rewatch this and be more pissed than you were. Um, just offensively for those red zone things. And it's like, dude, go. Because we're not going to – our defense won't always be able to play like this. But overall, I mean, you really could give it to them. Now, I thought Derek Williams played really, really good, man. This is the best I've seen him play. Um, I do think Jade Barron's the best guy. I mean, I could maybe give this to Jade Barron, to be honest. Did did he just get the wind knocked out of him? He obviously went down and stayed down for a little I bit. I thought that was it, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen this report, but I thought that was it. What did you see? I saw a guy that looked like he got the wind knocked out of him. So when a guy stays down on his stomach – it's one of two things. He either suffered some sort of spinal injury to where he's going to need help rolling over, or he got hit in the ribs or the stomach or someplace else where like he can't yeah. breathe for right. five to 10 seconds and gradually he gets his breath back. But the way he sat up, it felt like him getting the wind knocked out of him. 
I feel like I saw him later in the game too, but I don't, I don't know that for sure. So if, uh, if somebody is watching or listening right now, wants to weigh in on the YouTube comments line, we greatly appreciate that. A couple other guys quickly, Anthony Hill, Justin Stinkley, Blackwell, who went out. I don't know what happened with him. Blackwell gave some really good plays in there. Yeah, he came back and made some nice plays after that injury. Okay, I I didn't see if he came back. Good. Um, Let's give it to Ford or or Sweat or Barron. You pick. Let's go Ford then, I guess. Or Bill Little. Um, No, let's go. Let's go Ford. Well, I guess in that case, Kevin, we're going to have to support a – Everything we do is for Bill Little in this post game. We've known Bill forever, so rest in peace. We miss you, brother. That mirror behind you, Kevin, brought to you by Bill Little. <laughs> offensive Bill. play, offensive play of the game. Bill actually, Bill actually liked us doing Bill. He used to laugh about it. Yeah, used to call on the radio. Deputy, I used to call him Deputy Dog to his face. He used to get a huge kick out of it. Offensive play of the game is brought to you by Hat Creek Burger Company. Did you know Hat Creek celebrated their 15th birthday just a couple months ago? It was back in September. It's just a month ago. We're not even to November just yet. Hat Creek started out as a food truck in Austin behind Star Bar on West 6th Street back in 2008. Since then, they have grown to 26 locations across Texas with spots in Austin, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Temple, and Waco. Slinging burgers, slinging fries, and yes, those delicious birthday cake shakes. And as Bucky will tell you, they do great breakfast tacos as well. And they do sponsor the offensive play of the game. What is the offensive play of the game? Uh, Jonathan Brooks. So it was going to be Jonathan Brooks on the touchdown, right? On the third and goal. Yeah. When he caught it, stiff-armed a dude, and then put his head down and went in, but he stepped out at the two, and it gets back to Sark. I mean, if we've got fourth and goal from the three this year to win the Big 12 or to get to the Big 12, or if we get to the CFP, which is possible, even though this is not a CFP team, there are two or three CFP teams for a usual CFP year, getting back to our point earlier if you just joined us. We're not getting it. We may, no. but I'm certainly not taking the bet, man. Nope. Like I've got I've got more issues there with Sark than I do from the 17 yard line. If you want to yeah. talk about red zone. No. No, really, I mean we, we say red zone, but it's truly inside the 10. Inside the 10, and even more so five. strangely, inside the five. Yeah. Yeah. It's like as you get closer to the goal line, it gets worse. How does it happen that we ever First offensive line that's been consistent, same five guys for 30 years, and our best offensive line. What do you mean, since 09? Oh, no, 09 sucked, kiddo. 08 wasn't that good. That was Quan and Jordan and Colt, mainly Colt and Jordan, and a bunch of smoke. Like, it's been a best offensive line since 06. How, do, how are we not getting stuff done there? Because we're putting defensive linemen into the backfield to try and really prove a point. What what point? What point you think he's trying to prove with that? That like, we're the that we're the eighty five Bears. We're the toughest, baddest team on the field. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. It's not fucking working. Stop doing it. It was cute when Byron Murphy caught a touchdown against Wyoming. That was fucking Wyoming, man. No, I mean you're right. I'm um, sorry. I don't mean. I don't mean to. No, you're dude. No, don't don't say you're sorry. 
Everything you just said that's was not, that's not directed at you. That's just general frustration about like watching this square peg continue to be jammed. Oh, what'd you say at the ball. end? You take a shot at me, asshole? No, I didn't say no, but I'm I'm speaking passionately and it's directed at you. So I don't want you to t- No, like, no. Everything you said though that I heard was right. And I feel yeah. you're right. Like yeah. I think everyone listening right now knows you're right. And they're feeling the same frustration. I guess what bothers me is that, you know, I've got no question that Sark will forget more about inventing and imagining and creating new offensive game plans. The yo-yo route and the yo-yo concept he ran with Devontae against Ohio State, pretty damn brilliant. We hadn't really seen anything like that. This guy can do stuff like that. I've seen him do it when they're down a man or two like Bama was in that game. Now Ohio State gave him, gave him uh, credit, and, uh, you know, or a little bit of a favor and playing linebackers and man-to-man. But um, he can do that. You know, this is almost one of those where I want you to don't be a head coach this week, which is also where I, where I wouldn't mind having a Dick Tomey or, you know, just some old coach. Who kind of does the, the head coaching stuff, you know? Coaches, bare, coaches barefoot. Coaches barefoot, like the Charlotte coach last night. Did you see that, oh Bubba? No. Oh, oh dude, he, he, he looked like Rex Ryan's, like <laughs> a little bit more redneck brother. Oh God! And I don't mean Rob. I mean more redneck than both. Yeesh. And like at a cutoff fair, you know. Snuffing sister and wife, same in in the uh, stands. <laughs> give me a little winky poo, and I give her a winky poo. Boy, we're gonna do some dirty stuff later on. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> like he was being kept flashing to him because it was like such a boring FAU in Charlotte. They keep on flashing to this guy, and it was which I would have too. If I was the director, uh, I would have just been living on him. I would have had a simulcam, you know, like really focused on him and then gone back to the game. But uh yeah, no, I uh I'm sure I'm sure the director was too intent on uh on using the overhead cam as the uh, live action camera to make sure that nobody had any fucking oh, idea God. what was happening in a play. Well we saw that with baseball. We're probably gonna see it coming up here, but also I love the post game for the Rangers and they've got the still thing. Which you can't even see it's like like an 80s video, you know, blinded me with science. I'm like, what? Like, dude, okay. You just gave a real cam and I saw 55,000 doing this. Keep that. I know you got 19 other cameras with that. I don't need the blinded me with science. Electric Avenue. Same thing, by the way, after Garcia hit that home run, there's a camera that I guess is above the crowd that they were trying to like zip through the crowd. Yeah. It's just a blur. It's like, can you put the fucking cameras back on the guys celebrating on the field? I don't care to see this exaggerated shot of the fans. Like you can't even watch fans cheer. It was just a blur. It, it's, it's, it's like any era. I don't know what the era would be, what, what it would be now, but it's like the era back then when it's like, you know, the rich guys, like, you know, 
I want everyone to come see my model airplane that I spent $11,000 on. And it doesn't work. And everyone's outside on Thanksgiving. And it's like, all right, man, you know, good thing you're loaded. Um, but yeah, you know, so that's what directors do with technology. And we're going to tie all this full circle for the Charlotte coach. Um, like, I want Sark to have a coach like that. So he can just sit in a room and do what Sark does, which is an offensive mind and figure out the red zone issues with this team okay you don't offensive lines much better it's not bama back in the heyday and 99.999999 offensive lines aren't maybe outside of 95 nebraska okay and a couple in there so figure out ways with this skill set and talent you have a lot of options especially with the healthy jt sanders getting back to the health thing too felt like jt more so a little bit with catching or more so blocking which we could he he had his worst blocking game of his career probably ever in his life against Oklahoma and I think a lot of that was credit Oklahoma and they did some stuff probably put him in weird angles and leverage situations but we got blown up that he'd never get blown up that's got to be some of the ankle he looked a lot healthier today well I think the sack that Quinn suffered in the third quarter where he hurt his AC joint is on Sanders Right, I forget if the guy bull rushed him or just like got past him, but he had a free shot, a free blindside shot on Quinn. There was one block today that I, that was not a good moment for JT Sanders, but I wasn't watching that closely, so I will uh, I will trust your opinion on that. Well, I mean, look, there could have been one or two where people are like, "Kevin, you're crazy." Yeah. Those two are awful. I saw more. I saw enough to where I'm like, okay, at least you're back a little bit. Where he actually yeah. did block well. And actually just look more comfortable planning and actually going off that. So JT Sanders was not the offensive MVP. Who was the offensive MVP? Well, we'll try and figure that out after I tell you that the Texas Sports Unfiltered Offensive MVP in this postgame is brought to you by Better Days Mexican Parilla, located on Hamilton Pool Road off of 71 in beautiful Spicewood, Texas. Verdes is serving up an extensive menu of all your traditional Mexican and Tex-Mex favorites. They've got a beautiful indoor dining area that makes for a great date night. Outside, a covered patio with a ton of space for the whole family. They've got a huge grass area with footballs, frisbees, and games for everyone to enjoy. They can host your party and cater your next event as well. Go see them. Verdes, Mexican Parilla. Offensive MVP. This is where I would love to um this is where I'd love to like give Kelvin Banks something, but Oh, I think know. that's a great call. Yeah, I mean I, I saw him pancake guy a couple times. You also know I want Kelvin to marry my niece. He's one of was on one of our clients at my at Morgan. So um he's that legit of a guy. But I felt like the offensive line gave up a sack. But having a guy like that, they, they opened up holes for, you know, maybe you do the whole offensive line. It's nice having Cole Hudson back. It's nice having getting back to our almost everyone back. It'd be great to have three back and have Quinn back. But the offensive line we need, and I thought you brought up a great point. Um, someone said Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, Rick, it, it could be A.D. Mitchell. Absolutely. You know, um, we can go with that. But um I felt like the offensive line played pretty well, man. They, they protected a first starting, first time starting quarterback and who needs time. You know, um, Malik is a bright kid from all accounts and you, you should listen to him. Um, but from all, all accounts, like what Michael Taft said about him, 
in the in the press conference this week is not bullshit. What did he say? He said that he's probably the most probably the most light guy on and most respected guy on the team. Mm. That he's the first guy there, last guy out, and that he he's, he knows every single guy on the team. Every single guy. Walk on. Dude, how how's Aunt Beth doing, man? I know she's been dealing with breast cancer, you know. Um that so everyone and Michael told me that in the spring. Um, that mm. like he is that guy, and it's not a shot against Quinn. And people right away go, So people don't like Quinn, they like Quinn, and Quinn's only gotten better at that. Quinn was never a bad guy, he's just not more of a quiet guy, right? Yeah. You were a great leader anywhere I've been worked with you, but you weren't a real vocal guy, right? You led by example, and then people kind of saw that and gravitated towards you, and you reached out too. Um, but some guys are, and I think probably Malik's probably more like you, where he's not like super, but he will talk to people and find out about their story. And, um, so the team really, really likes him. Go back and rewatch this game. And you will see certain things after plays where it's JT Sanders, Eric Mitchell going up to him right after a play and encouraging him or saying, Hey, you're all good there or good pass there. Um, and I think they knew with the first start, we all got to help this guy out. And he's got a ton of talent and we like him and we know he's put the time in and he's got the talent, but we got to help him and we want to get to the big 12 championship game. And you could feel that I'm going to go back, you know, like I always do rewatch it tonight. Um, and you know, I'll have more stuff to talk about on Tuesday, but it, I, I felt, I didn't, I didn't feel like, Last week was a culture win, like Sark said, but I felt like it was a lot of luck too. And this this felt like more of a culture, not ass kicking, but dominant win, and where everyone was helping each other out. And so I feel good, man. I also understand what it is. So that's a long way of saying, well, who's your offensive player of the game, Kevin? Well, we're actually going to call that the final word, brought to you by Paul's Motor, because I think that was a good way to wrap up Tonight's post-game show, Paul's Motor Works has been repairing foreign domestic cars in Austin since 2000. They specialize in BMW, Mini Cooper, Mercedes-Benz, Audi, Volkswagen, and Porsche. They do much more than that, though. I mean, it's why BK gets his beater. The oil changes for his beater there as well. Don't trust your car to just anyone. Trust your car to the great people at Paul's Motor Works. Check them out online, pmwaustin.com. As a lifelong Rangers fan, man, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I, I've got I've got more stuff here too. Real quickly, by the way, you guys are down five nothing, so we can do a couple. I'm, I'm watching on my phone right now. You don't get to jerk me around like that. I know it's zero zero in the top of the second. <laughs> Why do you think I've been looking down as much as I have for the last 15 minutes now? To see if it's still alive. <laughs> well, I know it's still alive. <laughs> couple of things. Nice catch. Who was the number zero who caught that ball fucking 10 yards out of bounds? Oh, the BYU player? Yeah. Just a bit outside. Yeah. And then also quickly, the hands to the face in the end zone. I, w- I did not see that call. What, what exactly happened there? That was when we were leaving the game. Alfred Collins, who I gave love to this week. 
um, made a good move, and the guard obviously has hands to the face. I mean, they're never going to call holding against a Texas opponent unless you're jacking a guy's face mask up like that. Unless it's Oklahoma and, or the uh, the play has already been a failure. Right, or Alabama. Alabama they called one because, hey, you're coming. We don't, you know, you know, yeah. we're going to give you a little bit of love before we fuck you all. Um, which is, you know. Some reason I always do. Who's who was the rooster? Sylvester. Sylvester. Uh, Sylvester uh, Cat? No. Oh, you're talking about Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always my SEC voice in my head. Well, what do you come on in and we uh, may see what we can do with y'all. Um, probably wrong, but yeah. No, so so we, we we all lean on those things. That's why anytime I uh, encounter a uh, a fat character in a book. I always envision Chris Farley, even if it's like a serious role, especially when it's a serious role. Right. I saw those because I saw those death pictures. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. Um, I totally get it. Uh no, but um, no, so he's got his hand to his face. It starts at the two-yard line, and you can see the official, Malvin Desart. No, it was outside of the end zone. No. Outside of the so it's going to be fourth down. No, personal foul, but outside of the end zone. So decline, decline. No, outside of the end zone. Decline, decline. And so you, I mean, it was so obvious, right? And so they show the replay, and they're like decline. So they got to punt, punt from their end zone. So it's not like you lose your shit. But if there's holding in the end zone, it doesn't matter when it starts. It could have started. Theoretically, at the 11-yard line, it never will, but it could have started at the two. If you're holding in the end zone and the quarterback releases the ball from the end zone, what is that, Trey? It doesn't even matter if you're holding in the end zone. If you're holding and the quarterback is in the end zone, that's a safety. Right. Bingo. So the quarterback was in the end zone. He's holding. But but the, my point was he was saying he was out of the end zone. I'm like, well, the quarterback wasn't. You saying that the hands to the face? So maybe hands to the face is different. It doesn't matter though, because the hands to the face started at the two, and still with hands to the face in the end zone when the quarterback's in the end zone and releases it. Offensive line penalty if the quarterback in the is in the end zone is a safety. Yes. It's not just holding. It's any penalty. Well, it's any penalty, right? That's what I, I thought. I mean, I, I believe so. Well, it doesn't matter because it, it was both. Yeah. I've got one nit while we're at it. I was going to save this for Tuesday, but. Go for it. I, I've probably brought this up before. We're still scoreless here. Although Garcia's up, so it's probably about to be one nothing. <laughs> yeah, nice double play ball by Montgomery to get out of the top of the second. I've almost certainly brought this up before, but much like people not adhering to the zipper method when merging onto a highway or getting off of a highway for that point, for that matter, or somebody who has the handicap placard who chooses not to park in the handicap placard, but to park in the first abled spot next to the handicap spot just like just take the handicap spot you have the access to it there's 40 other handicap spots so you're not going to screw another handicap person out of their spot don't take the abled spot asshole um <laughs> texas folks by the way I, now, I hold start, on 
But wouldn't you only respect a handicapped person if they parked like 50 spots away? Yeah. Okay. 50 spots that, away. I'd be like, you know what? I have it, but only on days I really feel like I need it. Right. Exactly. It's more of a personal and ethical and, and, and a me thing. All right. And so I actually think that the UT people have listened to not just my criticism, but other people's criticisms, and they've turned the music down a little bit. And we're also getting more of that natural game day feel to what is happening between plays and during commercial breaks with regards to cheers and chants and whatnot, just versus just being beat over the head with um, with rave music. But... <laughs> Texas folks, and by the way, Gary Clark Jr. was awesome at Longhorn. So Stadium. yeah, I'm about to say, did you check it out? It was fun. Didn't get there early enough. You how, how good is that audio? By the way, where is it? Is that like in between the LBJ library and the stadium, like that area, like where college game day or whatever is? Exactly. You know where the okay. LJ. Uh, you know where the fountain is. Yeah, the LBJ fountain. It's like down the hill, where the college game day setup was essentially. Okay. Yes. So that was really good. So, so like if you're at Pena or any of those Occupy Left Field or any of those tailgates there, you probably still hear it, right? That line of tailgates? Yeah, I would assume so. I haven't been back there when a band was on stage, but they're so close. I, I can't imagine that you're not hearing something. Yeah. So Gary was great. He came out onto the field with his family just before halftime and got a, a big cheer from the crowd. So that was cool too. But good to you folks... Who are Trey, to Trey by the way, was big, good buddies with or buddies with Gary. And Trey, when we worked at the zone way, 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 way back in the day, Gary was what 15 or 16 years old. He's a little and, bit older than that, 17 or 18, maybe. And Trey would have me go down to Continental Club and we'd watch him. And it was, I mean, he, he you know, it was one of those savants that you see. It's, it's, you know, trying to think of um, what athlete would be like. Um, where you just right away are like, all right, you're 17 and you're going to be one of the best ever. Who was, who was an athlete in Austin back when you were in high school that you would have been around where it's like, damn, you're going to go on. I mean, it wouldn't Gary Clark jr. But like, I knew Chris, I mean, Chris Clack would have been with basketball, yeah. you know yeah. I mean? To where it's like, this guy's going to play D one, like even his sophomore year watching him. But yeah. I mean, I would say Cade Klubnik, when I saw him as a freshman, I was like, what did I tell you? I go, went on radio the next day. I was like, this guy's never played a ball of varsity football, and he's going to be a five-star. He's going to win multiple state championships, and he's going to be a high-level D1 quarterback. Yep. By it. Even though they're four and three, he's actually been playing a lot better. Yeah, it was cool to see Gary. My, my nit that I have to throw out here before we bid the people goodbye to the UT folks, overall the great game day experience is great. So just know that this is this is a nitpick, but it's it's a pretty consistent nitpick at this point. Yeah, stop. someone who pays and goes to every game, so it's worthy. Stop wasting fireworks in the daytime. Shooting off fireworks in the daytime <laughs> is stupid. It is pointless. It is a waste. There is no reason to do that. All it is at best is mild noise pollution. That's it. That's it. There's your Paul Motors work, Paul's Motor Works final thought from me. Thanks for being a part, Paul's Motors. <laughs>
that no, actually, Paul Paul Motors works. Uh, big shout out to them, and uh, I need actually I need to take it out there. I think Paul would get a kick out of uh, no out Paul. Paul that. totally would. One of the reasons people like Paul in, in business he runs. Um, was that was that after touchdowns? What it was pregame, it was during the game, like just randomly. It was after touchdowns. It was at halftime. They do it all the fucking time, dude. And I don't get it. Are you just doing it to go through the motions because that's what you're supposed to do? And it'll look cool if we ever play a night game at DKR. Possible for the Kansas State game. But I I just, I don't understand. It doesn't, just because that's what you would do in a situation where it's dark enough where people could actually see the fireworks doesn't mean you need to do it when it's broad daylight out. Are, are they doing the new light system during the day? I would hope not. I mean, like they the, did. I mean, I, and I also don't know. I haven't been during a day game. I went to the Wyoming game. It's the only one I've been to this year, and I was in a box. So didn't they do it? Didn't they do it for that game? They did, but like they did it, like it felt like it got later and and it was darker. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it makes it to a certain point where it's kind of dusk or whatever, and it yeah. works. I would think, but. Yeah, the fireworks thing, I don't know. I dude, I, they've done such a better job. I was there last night just to meet some friends. Shout out to Connor and Hayden Fuchs. Um and their members there at the UT club. So we met up there. You know, every Friday they've got like a buffet there of like good food and where's the UT one. club? UT club is um it's where the sweets are. Oh yeah, the seventh floor or whatever. Yeah, seventh seventh floor. There you go. And uh so right across from Mana Garage, you know, on the east side. Of course, a concert was happening. Luckily we met early. But um yeah, it was uh the alum the alumni band showed up, which is pretty cool, man. So I you actually did? I felt like a the alumni band. Were they there today? Was the was it alumni weekend? Oh, I, I don't know. You don't stay for halftime and watch the band? Well, we did because Justine insisted on it. I don't give a shit about it. Good for Justine. You don't like the Texas band? I don't give a shit about the Texas band, no. Oh, really? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. That group march around in their tasseled capes, blowing into their instruments, no. I will say this is a a college halftime show. It's a good opportunity to go do some other shit. All right. Well, I love the band and I always have. I'm glad you you do. I'm glad you do. Um, that surprises well, me, but I'm glad you do. Well, in the spring, we got to talk about the new uniforms because I'm all about tradition and I'm an old man through and through. We're going to get the kiddos updated here a little bit. Yeah. Get rid um, of the tassel. Get rid of the tassel. We've got to find, we've got to find some happy medium, but it can't be that. And it shouldn't have been that in 1990s. No, it shouldn't have been. That's been a bad look for a long time now. Right. So the alumni band showed up and started playing. Yeah, not nah, cheerleaders were there. That's you know, cool. hook them, and um, that's I, I don't not as cool with that. I mean, boy, there's something weird about mascots, and he or she was cool, you know. But it's just weird too. I'm also like, you know, some college kid, and you know, I never like the 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 real mascots that are dressed up that um. You know, unlike Bebo, Bebo could fart near me, and I'm like, eh, "There you go, he's a cow." That's what they did. <laughs> Steers got some gas. Um, 
But I've all, I never liked real mascots, especially when I was a kid, because they're almost close to clowns or mimes. That yeah. they're, they're just there's something or ventriloquist that I almost don't trust you inherently. Um, or something's going on. Some, like Hookah may have groped me when I was three. Probably. Um, you know, you should have seen the Baylor Bear when Browse was there. But there's like some yeah, sticking that Dr. Pepper bottle other places. Jesus Christ. Some, <laughs> some, Jesus. All right. Yeah, we're about to be done. Um, some deep rooted, like, you know, thing in your soul where it's like, you know, or, or some, some issue where it's like, or maybe you just want to do that. But the ones that would talk back in the day, like, especially when I started doing radio and TV 94 on, and you see them enough, you know. Like, hey, Jack, how you doing, man? You hot as shit in there? Yeah, man, I can't wait to get out of here. By the way, oh, Sally, yeah. what a whore. Yeah, she left me. Um, like, dude, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I know, I know. I'll be all right. Um, hey, we're going to smoke later on? Yeah, let's go outside at halftime. Um, you know, but like, like, I actually wanted them to talk. But this one, like, wouldn't talk. And I thought, you know, man, you're in character, I guess, you know. But anyway, it was like. The uh, the biggest creep amongst the, uh, the the costumed mascots in the Big Twelve now with the four new members, a lot of people say Oklahoma State. Chip mentioned this the other day. The, the biggest creep is the Houston Cougars mascot. That that thing looks like an absolute rapist. Oh, the Cougar. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm usually a big fan of Cougars. That one scares me. And with that, I'm going to watch the Rangers. World Series game. Ah, shit. Grand slam. But you can make up four. Going up, going to the bottom of the third now. (laughs) D-backs, strand a runner on third. You're not going to get me here. I'm watching this game on my phone over the last 30 (laughs) minutes of the postgame, Joe. (laughs) He is uh, my best friend, Kevin Dunn. I am Trey Elling. I took you long, man. I haven't haven't had, you know, I haven't taken someone this long since uh, maybe ever. Wait to see where you went with that one. All right. Uh, thanks, buddy. Always I love you, brother. By the love way, you. your hoarseness actually got better as the show went on. I was thinking about that because I wasn't screaming excessively. It's just like I didn't was... think so, which is why I was asking, but I also know you. You see stuff, and there could be a 35-6 game, and you love Texas so much, and you're so into it that there could have been something where you did fucking blow a gasket. On so Dude, like two plays. It, that that is a possibility. I give you that, but it was just it was really fucking hot today when the game so, started. So when I'm coming back, Will Matthews, I'm listening to Craig, and and Matthews is on the field. He's like, it is so humid and hot down here, miserable. And Craig, and Craig goes, I see you. You're under the shade, and it's like 86. He goes, I can't tell you how humid and just disgusting it feels the hottest time will, will went to westwood played at ut was a yeah. badass fullback played the nfl like will you know will's not he's not like something like some jersey guy we have down there doing sidelines now man it's really hot at 86 let me tell you my balls are sagging and sweaty well it's also late october too like the alabama game last year is the hottest i've ever been in that stadium that this had a little bit of that feel where like even just standing there all of a sudden my Forearms are completely covered in sweat. Yep. 
but it got a little bit better throughout the game. But I think the hoarseness is the result of having a couple of beers, didn't get excessive, let Justine have a little bit of a better better time there. But I just didn't do a good enough job of drinking water, so it's probably those two things. All right, it got better throughout. Well, go drink some water. Go enjoy uh, the Rangers. Y'all go take this one. And just remember, if you're up 2-0 and going back to Arizona, it ain't over. Ask Philly. Doesn't mean anything at that point. Let's get up 2-0 because that, you know, both teams are kind of confident in third starter, but from that point on, who who knows, right? I think we're going to get a good start out of Scherzer on Monday. I do too. Because we've seen but, we've seen him look better the first first game to the second game he looked better I think we're going to see an even better performance in the third game I do too but P F A A A A A A A D T their third starter oh oh okay is that the rookie yeah he's been lights out so. It's baseball at this point. Just get up. Get up 2-0. You know. That's right. All right. All right. Love, love you, brother. Buddy. Y'all be good. Thank you all for listening. Um, thanks to um, everyone. It's F- was that, that was Noe, right? Noe and Ryan. And Ryan. Noe. Thank you so much. Ryan. Um, y'all rock. Thank and you. And if y'all want to chip in, chip in. We totally get it, man. Got With inflation and, and everything that's going on. And, you know, hopefully our economy for all of us will chill out at some point. But for anyone who does chip in right now, we appreciate it. But if you just listen and, and chip in that way, or heck, if you're just listening and don't want to pay us or don't want to throw any money in there to think these, you know, keep it going, then we're all good with that. We'll still keep it going. Or don't even want to give comments. Like just listening, we appreciate that, and liking and subscribing too. You can do that. You can do that for free. Spread the word. Tell people if you enjoy this show, any of the shows that you hear on this channel. Spread the word. Tell people. The word is getting out too. I had a couple different people recognize me today. Good. One was through the voice. The other was through my face, and the face is a direct result of Texas Sports Unfiltered. So I always appreciate hearing from folks. Great uh, shaking a couple of hands today and uh, look forward to the next time. So that's good. Our voices obviously travel because I, I, my voice must travel a bunch because I'll have people all the time that they're like, dude, I recognize that voice. And like, you and I both project. Yeah, I know. I know. Trust me. My ex girlfriend would tell me that sleeping. Can you keep it down? Like, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. That's on me. Weird. Okay, so that's not just me then. Where Justine's yeah. like, do you realize how loud you talk when you're on the phone? Yeah. No, I, I'd be talking to you or Trampy or someone, and I'd be trying to keep it quiet. I'm like, I can't believe this. She's like, you know, I had to get up in the morning. I'm like, sorry, sorry, you know. Oh, you say sorry. I said I'm not. I just say I'm not talking that loud. Why are you yelling at me? I'm not yelling. This is just my loud. Vo- this is just my voice. I project. Do you want me to yell? Because yelling gets a lot uglier than this. Okay. Well, I would tell her that I'm like, I'm not yelling at him, but you know, my voice projects. But thinking I'm a better guy than you and husband. Yeah, I agree with both those things. And you're not my even my wife's a- never been mad at me. How do you like that? You're not even a husband, but you're a better husband than I am. That's the point. I've never failed.
Bye, y'all.